Don't Wreck Yourself features words and situations that are not appropriate for young listeners. This show is only for adults and unsupervised juvenile delinquents of exquisite taste and refinement. Each week, our hosts look into claims they find online, answer your questions, and say bad words. Now your way is the only way, and my way is the only way to fill the space between a hard place and a rock is all we do. But we'll entertain the conversation that leads us to the truth. What do we know? What trips to telephones that are no different to you. Welcome to Don't Wreck Yourself. My name is Ryan Placetti, and I'm here to disentangle you from the Gordian knot of the Internet's bullshit. Today, I am joined by the great CJ Cypress. Glad to be here on this lovely, gloomy in South Carolina Sunday. How about yourself? Yeah, it's a little bit gloomy up here in Pennsylvania, too. Um, So for the sake of our listeners, I'm going to explain how I know you. CJ and I have been friends for, what, six, seven years now? Uh, yeah, the better part eight. of a decade, I guess, yeah, the which better, is crazy to think. I, I don't, given everything that's happened since 2016, I don't know that it's the better part of a decade. <laughs> <laughs> I could shoot it. I could see a sweeter 10 year section just being carved out. Fair. Um, but yeah, so I met CJ when I was living down in Georgia selling beer and he was living down in Georgia buying beer and presumably doing something professionally to support that habit uh, because our beer was not cheap. <laughs> uh yeah, the glory days of craft beer were I just spent reckless amounts of money on beers that I didn't know if I was going <laughs> to like or not. <laughs> I I still have some of those beers in my cellar. I have a cellar uh which is just a I call it a cellar. It's just a wine a wine fridge uh that's in my garage <laughs> uh that I haven't opened. I'm sure there's spider webs on the outside of it. So there's something delicious in there uh that I probably need to drink, but I'm terrified of the hangover. Well, you know, I think one of the keys to controlling uh, hangover onset is timing your drinking properly, which brings us to our first question from r slash too afraid to ask. This is uh, this is posted by your user Shelly Nicoly. She writes, my boyfriend is drunk and it's not even 1 p.m. Is this normal behavior? Gut reaction, CJ. Normal to be drunk at 1 p.m. Given my expertise in barbecue, um, when I usually start my day at 3 to 4 a.m., I don't see it as too out of the ordinary, but I get with most normal people being drunk by 1 p.m. may be frowned upon. Also, it depends on the day. Is this a Tuesday or is it a Saturday? Uh, Well, let's take a look. They have some uh, they have some context here. It says that she, a 34 year old female, comes home to find her boyfriend, a male who is 37, drinking whiskey and listening to sad music. She asks him what's wrong and he says there's nothing wrong. But that he did have a meeting with his lawyer, a meeting with his lawyer, and it sounds like he got some bad news. She's worried because she doesn't know what the lawyer, uh, what the lawyer meeting was about, whether he's going to jail. But she's concerned that he's drunk at one p.m. So, given all that context, any red flags here? Um, I would say that the whole being drunk at one p.m. would be the least of my worries if I were her, uh, <laughs> since he's just having random lawyer meetings that she has no clue about. But also, like. I feel like drinking whiskey, listening to sad music. What kind of sad music is it? Is it like Connor Oberst? Is it because that's terrifying? <laughs> or is it like sad country songs? I, you know, I consider I consider listening to sad music and getting drunk to be a legitimate daytime pastime. Like <laughs> It's OK to feel melancholy and, and drink a little bit or smoke a little bit of pot in the middle of the day. I'm perfectly yes. fine with that. Go for it. 
live your truth, even if your truth is just a little bit on the sad side. Um, so I think I think determination is this normal behavior uh, only if it's not normal behavior. You yeah. see what I'm saying? Like if he's not getting drunk every day by 1 p.m., which again, you know, caveat, if you're like a third shift worker, that's fine. If you're working the graveyard shift and you're drunk at 1 p.m., that's just you staying out late after work. Yeah, that's just a normal time to be drunk. As long as you're in bed by 2 p.m. and up to work at 11. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, if I were drunk at 1 p.m., it would be slightly concerning during the week. Uh, when was the last time you were drunk by 1 p.m.? Ooh. I'd say probably probably the last time I smoked a pork butt, because uh, I may or may not have started with some bourbon in my coffee at 4.30. <laughs> uh, and then also, hashtag for the gram, I have to get content. And my wife got me that like Kong beer funnel thing. And I had to I wanted to make a reel with like me drinking beers. So like every hour or so I'd funnel like a Miller light. And then like the more I funneled those, I like funneled an IPA because I was like, this is what I got <laughs> right now. Uh, then I funneled a seltzer and I was like, yeah, like marginally. I think I kept myself together enough, but like definitely too drunk to leave my house by 1 p.m. that day. And then I ended it with bourbon, which was a terrible decision because the next day was awful. The last time I was, we're going to say tipsy by 1 p.m. was probably, gosh, yesterday. Oh, my God. I went to the uh, I went to the first day of the Pennsylvania Renaissance Fair. Uh, Guess who else was in attendance yesterday? The girl who stole Nancy Pelosi's laptop. Ah, yes. Did you get her autograph? No, I was hoping to because I thought I bet that would sell like fucking fire on Truth Social. Oh, for sure. For sure. You could get like a. I'm sure if you could prepare, you could get like a really cheaply made in China MAGA hat and get her to sign it and sell it for oh like $5,000. Yeah. And then just tell people it's going towards a legal fund. Now, I won't, I'll never say which legal fund. It's the one to defend me against fraud allegations. It's probably this guy's legal fund. The guy that's drunk at 1 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think he had a meeting with his lawyer and he found out that he is going to be charged for breaking and entering at the Capitol on January 6th last year? <laughs> he was at January 6th. That is exactly what happened. He's, he thought that he was in the clear. <laughs> there was definitely a guy at the Renaissance Fair yesterday wearing an ankle bracelet. So I don't know if that was her boyfriend or what. Definitely could have been. 100%. I feel like the Venn diagram for people who hide their legal troubles from their significant others and their significant others being totally okay with that and going to January 6 riots are <laughs> pretty much like a circle. <laughs> She's like, I don't know what's wrong with him. I don't know what he did wrong. <laughs> uh, all I know is the Renaissance Fair is the perfect place to put January 6 insurrectionists. It's just like, oh, it's a fantastical place ruled by a king. I'm sure they love it. They're like, so where, where do I purchase my flags? At the Renaissance Fair. <laughs> Literally everywhere. They're at every booth. You can buy flags. You can buy banners. You can buy tunics with logos on them. The, the, the possibilities are truly endless. I love the unmitigated capitalism of the MAGA crowd. Uh, <laughs> like they, so we had, of course, there were, there's protest in South Carolina daily, practically near yeah. the state house. I live in the capital city. And one day I saw. There was a big protest and I saw these dudes um, and I guess nobody, 
you may not be able to tell, but I'm a black guy, so I can say it. I saw these two black guys on the corner with a MAGA booth and they were just selling random MAGA gear. And I was like, these dudes are my heroes. They are capitalizing <laughs> so hard on this. And they like, had a honestly, line. They had a line. I was like, this is yeah. amazing. <laughs> there, There is so much money to be made in Trump branding. I have considered just anonymously posting like Trump t-shirt designs and hat designs on the internet to be fulfilled by one of the merch services. It's, it's, it's like a license to print fucking money. I told Jess, I missed my calling. I could have been like the one black guy, like that they post all the time. <laughs> I could have been that guy. Uh, and I missed my calling. Now I think it's a little bit played out, but then I probably would have been roped into January 6th and I would have been drinking whiskey at 1 PM. Cause I met with my lawyer and he said that I was going to jail for forever. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I guess in the end, it's good. I didn't go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, let's do a final determination here. I'd say that there's probably nothing to worry about if you come home and they're drunk one time. Sometimes you just want to get sad and listen to sad music and, and drink whiskey. That's fine. As long as he's not doing it every day. Uh, the legal stuff, that's his business. You're his girlfriend, not his wife. Yeah, I think that's totally normal behavior. I don't think there's anything to worry about. In fact, she should offer him a glass of water to stave off the hangover the next day. If she's a go. good person. <laughs> America's not the only place that you can get drunk at 1 p.m. I believe you did a little bit of looking into a screenshot that we found floating around on the Internet. Yeah. Allegedly from BBC News, it says Japan urges its young people to drink more to boost economy. Yes, I did hours and hours and hours of research on this topic. Uh, <laughs> pouring over. Uh, articles oh. and stats. <laughs> yes. Apparently Japan, uh, they're doing this because the tax agency has realized that they aren't getting as much as they need to off the sale of alcohols, mostly sake, uh, which is their probably a big portion of their economy, I'd, I'd assume, much like beer and whiskey is here. Alcohol taxes and tariffs have always been an important part of modern economies. Uh, up until the passage of the income tax in America in the early 20th century, something like 40% of our federal budget was excise tax from alcohol. Uh, it's huge. I mean, and I worked in beer. I saw it. Uh, I worked for a distributor uh, who has, as anybody who knows who's involved with beer, even in the slightest, uh, the wholesale part of beer has tremendous political power, uh, mostly because of how much money they're bringing in an excess yep. tax to the state. So uh, Japan saw this and they said, uh, we got a problem. So they're doing a social media contest. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and it's, what was it called? Yeah. Sake Viva. Sake uh, Viva? So, yeah. That's what they're calling this social media campaign. Like Long Live Sake? Post. Yep. Yep. I, I, so, I guess so that's there's, what it means. Is it like a Spanish? This is a Spanish language Japanese alcohol campaign. It seems like it, which I think <laughs> is like it seems definitely something put together by old politicians that have zero clue what's going on, and they're just like, "We need money. How do we get money?" Uh, Instagram looks good. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna <laughs> fight the drink. Drink more alcohol for your country initiative. In fact, I, I'm here to do my part today. That. Hey. I got a little can of Japanese sake. Look at you. You should probably take a picture and send it to Japan. They'll probably pay you for it. Um, but another interesting tidbit, like factual fact finding that I did, it ends on November 10th. 
which is actually <laughs> the start of a week devoted to raising alcohol abuse awareness in Japan. Well, <laughs> they got it in they got it in right under the wire. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so like the the pop the general populace in Japan, uh, as you can assume from like a generally healthy group of folks are not taking well to it, you know, yeah. on Twitter saying that they will boycott alcohol completely until that they seems, stop That doing seems this. a little extreme. Like if Uncle Sam called me up and asked me to do my part and my part was crushing a sixer, I'd be like, yeah, I can, you know what? I can do I can that, do for, that you. for you. For my country, no, no beer is too small. But could we imagine also, so it is state or country, like the countrywide government is funding this. This is public funds. Mm-hmm. And we know how that works in the U.S., so can you imagine the person that is getting paid, you know, a hundred thousand equal to like a hundred thousand American dollars of taxpayer money to run this? I'd sit at home in my underwear, drinking sake, sending out emails, just, like, just like, hey, guys, check it out. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Um, <laughs> if that were my job, yeah. I would have my own social media where it's just documenting me getting the country drunk. So. The whole issue was exacerbated by the pandemic, obviously, because people quit going to bars, too. So, like, this is, like, not, like, something new. They say that the drinking trend has been going down in Japan for Mm -hmm. probably since the 90s um, when they actually had a big push to, like, promote healthier living. So now they're just like, oh, we're missing out on tax money because people. Well, it's kind of like medical marijuana (laughs) and and recreational uh, marijuana in the U.S. You know, we've been just absolutely running rough shot over people for decades, you know, tossing them in jail for marijuana. And now it's just like the states are like, Oh, I can get $40 billion in the first quarter. Yeah, we'll do that. <laughs> it's and like, I don't get it. Like South Carolina, my, my lovely home state now we're like next, next to the bottom for schools and everything. And I'm like, you know, if we just like sold a little bit of weed, you could like, I don't know fix the leaky roof at that one elementary school. Who knows? Who knows what you can yeah. do with the money? <laughs> it's interesting. I, in my brain, I think, A, you don't need to do this in America. We already, uh, I mean, where else can you buy 99 PBRs at one time? Uh, I don't think we have this problem. Uh, that's not, that's not even, that's not even the biggest container of PBRs you can buy. <laughs> you know, they sell a, it's basically a boxed up pallet. Oh, love it. Like it, it's 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 like it's got like fourteen hundred <laughs> beers or something like that in there. It's a novelty item. But why why are I we doing it. an episode about that? <laughs> That's what we need to we need to dig into that a little bit more. I want to know who's bought it. Next time you're on the show, we're going to we're going to investigate the PBR box. Maybe we can do an on-site if we can find this guy and like just hang out. Whoever has bought this, yeah. Like if you're listening and you've bought You this, still have beer. We'll we'll drink it with you. You need help. <laughs> So if we're going to summarize this entire thing, is Japan urging its young people to drink more to boost the economy? The answer is yes. Absolutely. (laughs) Correct. I can think of no greater act of patriotism. Like, could you imagine telling somebody in America, like, we need you to drink more Bush for the country? Hey, I have no problem with this. Do your thing, Japan. The The general populace there doesn't like it, but maybe that's just the... That's just the loudest the people. The American in me. <laughs> there, there, there are... I, I guarantee you that the majority of the population in Japan isn't just like, oh, I hate drinking. I guarantee you it's just a few very loud stick-up-their-ass people. True, true. 
But speaking of things that you can and cannot do with the government, that brings us to our next topic from r slash ask. This is posted by user Prodigy1367, who asks, did the FBI investigate the whole Hillary's emails things? <laughs> Seeing a lot of conservatives complaining that they didn't go as hard on her as they are on Trump. Oh, so, I mean, I can answer that pretty succinctly. Yes. Yes, they did. They investigated it. There were hearings. There were statements of fact and findings from the FBI investigation. They even put it up on the FBI.gov website. It's there. It exists. You can go there. You can read all about it. I guess like the first thing that we should clarify for our listeners, like, well, what are like we know classified documents? We think like secret, top secret. But what are these classifications? The basic ones you need to know for the purpose of this are secret top secret. Then you get into top secret SCI and top secret SCI with caveats. And SCI just means sectionalized, compartmentalized information. Uh, A lot of your signals intelligence falls under that. And basically, it's the idea that the information is so sensitive that only people with a very specific need to know should have access to it. And that information is kept physically and and digitally separate from other information, and it gets aggregated by a third party. And then top secret SCI with caveats is there are various programs within the government which are specifically classified so that you have to be read onto or read and read off of the program. So they'll say, hey, we need to read you onto, let's call a system Warlock. You know, like we've got Warlock. It's super secret. We need to read you on. You find out it's like a new coffee maker design. But they, they just cannot let that get out. They're going to revolutionize the Keurig game. But yeah, so there, there are all these different levels of classification. And uh, the fundamental differences between what Hillary Clinton was doing with her emails and what Donald Trump did with these documents is Hillary Clinton, in the course of her business as the Secretary of State, was using a personal email server. Why did she have a personal email server? Was it to keep things secret from the government? Unlikely. They're using a personal email server because it was probably more convenient for her because she is a rich and powerful person who is also associated with a major charitable organization. It makes sense for them in order to comply with documents requests and things like that to ensure that they have control over their data. And that's it in a nutshell. If if you want to look at it from a, a fairly apolitical, you know, assume the best about people standpoint, that's the Hillary Clinton case in a nutshell. Uh, A lot of the secrets that were in her emails were references to secret information. They weren't necessarily secret documents themselves. Was she investigated? Yes, she was. And what's the big difference? The big difference is she was performing her official duties. Donald Trump was leaving office and he's just like, hey, these nuclear secrets should go with me. That's not the way our (laughs) classification system works. And what I assume is like a manila envelope. He just like has. Yeah, like apparently it's just like binders of classified documents. And it's He is the ex-president. At no point does he have a reason to handle this. You know, like he did when he was president. He had a valid reason to 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 have access to this information. Once you leave your position, like I had a top secret security clearance at one point. Once I left that position, I didn't I didn't take that home with me. It's not like the you know, it's not like office supplies that you kept. She's like, well, I I was using that (laughs) paper. (laughs) I had notes on that paper. Yeah. (laughs) Like the nuclear codes, for example. Yeah, so this dude just had reams of fucking classified information hanging out at a golf resort. Yes, that is criminal. That's illegal. And it certainly warrants an FBI intrusion. I'm not even going to... The FBI hasn't even called it a raid. They sent plainclothes people in. It's not like they were there with their FBI jackets busting down doors. It was plainclothes agents who went there specifically to retrieve classified documents that they had previously requested and then subpoenaed. Yeah, I feel like it's being portrayed as like a CSI episode on Truth Social. They came in blasted down his door. It's like, no, they knocked on the door. They knew they were coming. They're like, hey, we're here. Hey, you know, we told you we were going to be here. Now we're here. (laughs) 
Can we please have the nuclear documents again? <laughs> yeah, so he no longer had a need to know. And also, it's worth noting that Hillary Clinton at no time during the year prior to the investigation of her emails, did she try to overthrow the government and install herself as president of the United States without actually winning an election? Also true. So, I mean, that that is also a <laughs> subtle difference between those two people. It's a minor difference. <laughs> it's a minor difference. <laughs> and like so many official uh, documents from Donald Trump's presidency, many of those top secret uh, documents ended up in his toilet. But speaking of things that ended up in your toilet, here's something from r slash no stupid question. And it was posted by user Bread Empress, who wants to know, is my poop already poo shaped naturally or is my butthole more like a dough shaper? So CJ, gut instinct here, which is the most appropriate place to have an instinct for this question. Yes. Is poo naturally poo shaped or is it only the product of a of an extrusion process? I think the true poo shaper is your intestines is what I would say is it's formed there and then it's just pushed out. Yeah, And and the poo comes out roughly the same shape as the inside of the intestines. Like you could argue that the poo is taking on the shape of the intestines, but that, that that's basically it. And then your butthole is just like the knife at the end that cuts the Play-Doh. I don't know how much forming's happening because, you know, sometimes you have those really rough ones. Uh, <laughs> we're in the middle of potty training with our, with our two-year-old and she does not like to go regularly. So she saves it up for like five days. And oh, then, no. Uh, She's massive, rocks. massive <laughs> adult-sized poops <laughs> are coming out of her. So I don't think... That little two-year-old is doing any sort of molding. I think that's coming out the way it is. Like it's formed, it's in those little tiny intestines and it's just coming out. So, and like, we've all had those too. We were like, this is not the size that it should be, but it has to get out. So I don't think your butthole's doing any forming. <laughs> I think it's just letting it come out. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I'm inclined to think that although poo, if, if your intestines were any other shape, would poo be that shape? I have to think that, yes, it would. Like if your intestines were like shaped like a, like a star, like, like, like a Play-Doh playset. If your intestines <laughs> and butthole were shaped like a star, I think you would you'd poop little churros. Delicious little churros. <laughs> 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 Just squatting right over the deep fryer. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think poo shaped naturally, yes and no. It's naturally formed inside and then it just pops out. Like, yeah, I, I, and that's the thing. I, I think the digestive tract really is determining the shape of that. Like, and this is kind of a good example. Like when a loose stool hits the ground, like let's say you're walking behind a horse or a cow and they drop, they, yeah. they drop a pile. Yeah, there might be some, there might be balls and nuggets in there, but when it hits the ground at the... If the consistency isn't there, it spreads out, you know? Yeah. It's just like opening an egg on a hot griddle. Yeah. I think we're both aligned on our thoughts. That there. your butthole but, your I mean, butthole is more like a dough shaper, but it's it's not just the butthole itself, it's the entirety of that digestive tract. Yeah, it's the whole it's the whole thing. It's the whole yep. thing. It's it's your large intestines, it's your small intestines, and it's your it's your sphincter cutting it off. There's a saying that I'm that I'm fond of, and it's uh does a bear shit in the woods? Which brings us to our next topic. (laughs) That is a a ham-fisted transition right there. Uh, But this is coming from r slash shitty ask science. If someone on hallucinogens were attacked by a bear, how messed up would that be? I think anytime anytime a human being is subject to a vicious animal attack, it's going to be messed up. Pretty bad. Pretty bad. Uh, but do the hallucinogens give you a, some sort of superpower? Well, that's just it, though. I think hallucinogens, they have a couple different properties and a couple different ways that they can manifest. One is it can alter your perspective of reality. 
The second way that it can affect you is it can cause paranoia. The third way it can affect you is by causing euphoria. So given those three things, one, you might not be able to perceive a bear attack, and then you will react with either a, in either a state of euphoria in which you are unable to perceive or react to the dangers that are that are manifesting or you might be hypervigilant and escape exactly. or you might be hi- you might be hypervigilant and then act defensively when when confronted by the bear with tentacles coming out of it <laughs> and also could you act in a way so insane on hallucinogens that the bear is just got like you think you're fighting the bear but the bear is looking at you like what the fuck <laughs> did i just he's like i'm a into- i'm a unicycle riding bear from the circus what did i ever do <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, if someone on hallucinogens were being attacked, I think anytime somebody gets attacked by a bear, it's a problem. Going to be a it's going to be a bad time. <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be not only messed up, it's also going to be messy. Bears are vicious, vicious, murderous creatures when provoked, and they're going to rip you limb from limb, and you're going to be scattered about wherever you decided to take your little mushroom. Yep, drink. they're gonna they're gonna <laughs> crack your head like a walnut. That's the end of the game. Pretty messed up. Pretty messed up. So pretty messed up is the. Final determination. This is 100% pretty messed up. Uh, But you know what's never messed up? The music of Rick Reynolds, who has been kind enough (laughs) to allow us to use his song United from the album Portals in Progress, which you can find on Amazon, iTunes, and Spotify. Uh, If you'd like to see... You know, some inspiration. If you, you know, just came across a new pellet smoker, I won't judge you. Or if you decided, you know, like myself, that you wanted to pick up this random rusty offset smoker off the side of the road, uh, you can follow me at Backyard Pitmaster SC on Instagram. I have nothing else right now. Uh, working on like YouTube and a website and everything. But yeah, you can follow along. Happy to have you. I. Do, you know, occasionally do a giveaway or two uh, to keep it fun, keep it interesting. All right. So just go ahead and give us your social medias one more time. Uh, Backyard Pitmaster SC at on Instagram. And it's spelled out. It's not like spelled like a weird startup. OK. Uh, <laughs> all right. Without like you, you, you kept you, uh, you retained all of your vowels. <laughs> yes, I did. I all did. right. And. It, and there's not like a weird V in there anywhere. So <laughs> you can find me at Rick Your Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You can also interact with me on the Cast Junkie Discord server. You'll find a link in the show notes. So please follow our guest, follow the show. Don't forget to rate us. And if you find yourself locked down in a Japanese apartment with a handleless sake getting attacked by a bear, I want you to write down all of your fears onto a piece of classified documentation, crumple it up and flush it down the toilet because you need to check yourself. Don't wreck yourself. We are united but we're so far apart and it won't change till we change we are but we won't oh